And welcome once again to another episode of the Horizon Roundtable. I am Bob McDonald, and you can find me on Twitter at Bob McDonald. And joining me, of course, is my co-host, Matt Dudek. Hey there, everybody. Matt, of course, you can find on Twitter at Horizon Matt. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Horizon RT, on Facebook at Horizon Roundtable, Horizon Roundtable. And you can visit us on our website at horizonroundtable.com. I keep missing the, the E today. That's awesome. It's a good start. Um, good I start can see. Yeah, I know. Um, but yes, uh, you can horizonroundtable.com, uh, where all our podcast episodes and our uh, written content is, as well as uh, you can subscribe wherever podcasts are found. So, uh, um, Matt, the one before we get started, obviously. Uh, next week uh, is going. Next, the next two weeks, we are we are in full battle fan battle royale mode. The 2020 Jimmy Lemby fan battle royale is on. It's going to be a good time. You definitely don't want to miss either of those two episodes. I'm looking forward to it, Matt. I know you're looking forward to it. Um, I'm excited then, to put on my referee shirt. I, I know. Yes. Uh, yes. Fair warning, everyone. Matt's going to be the referee this year. Bringing some so, order to the fan battle royale. As much order as you can have, but uh, right. but that was the programming notes. Also, I will I would mention I do want to mention uh, uh, as uh, we will be having Jared Calhoun, the head coach of Youngstown State. He will be on um, also sometime after the battle royale, most likely before Memorial Day, and then we get into the summer, and who knows what shenanigans we'll get into. But um, today, um, I'm very excited to have Jeremy Otto who is the TV voice of Detroit Mercy Basketball. Um, Jeremy, thank you very much for coming on. Absolutely. Glad to be here. Yes. Um, so, Jer- so Jeremy, um, and we actually talked about this last week with John Nolan from Fort Wayne. Um, Detroit Mercy has a really interesting dynamic in, in which they have a radio voice with Dan Hasty, who we've had on the show, and you on the television side. Why don't you tell us a little bit about kind of that dynamic with Detroit Mercy um, re- with regard to their television broadcast? Because I know it's a little bit different setup than in some of the other Horizon League schools. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think uh, Detroit Mercy does it right because anytime you have, you know, the the simulcast between radio and TV, you really can't do either justice because, you know, on television, you, you kind of want to let your analysts talk if, uh, you know, you have one. And I'm lucky to have a really good one in Earl Curitan. He has a lot of experience not only as a, a Detroit Mercy Titan, but also in, in the NBA. And, um, you know, he, he does some NBA broadcasts once in a while for the Pistons as well. But um, I, I think anytime you can separate the two, I, I think it works. Um, we, we do mix, you know, here and there last year, uh, you know, Dan kind of swapped out and I filled in from a, a couple times this year on the road, but, uh, I think that's, that's the best you can have if it's something that's feasible for, you know, your athletic department. Yeah. Um, now Earl, I understand if, if I remember correctly, he had, he just had his number retired, didn't he? He did. Yeah, that was uh, that, that was a really cool night uh, against IUPUI last uh, few games of the season. He had a bunch of guys out. I mean, that's what made it really special. I mean, he had Greg Kalser out from the Pistons. He's a current analyst and one of the better players in Pistons history. Uh, Rick Mahorn was there. Um, he, he had a bunch of guys. And, and, you know, Dick Vitale sent him a message on the scoreboard. He recruited Earl to Detroit Mercy. He never coached him there, but he did recruit him. Um, and uh, yeah, so it, it was really neat, not only to see all the messages that were put together, but also to see, you know, all the, the former 
and, and even some some current Pistons staff out there as well. George Blaha, the, the Detroit Pistons voice, did the ceremony. That he was the MC, so that was a uh, it was a neat uh, occurrence, not only for Titan fans but for everybody involved as well. Um, I'm sorry, I said Earl the Pro. It's Earl the Toro. My bad. Sorry, Earl. I, I apologize. <laughs> Got your nickname incorrect. That was not a cool thing to do. Um, but yeah, so um, so. Yeah, we'll get a little bit more into this, but I want to actually talk about this a little briefly because as we've discussed in previous episodes, uh, a lot of the uh, a lot of the play by play guys have also have other uh, other sports that they cover. You are no different or you would be no different. All right. Yeah. Circumstances. (laughs) Sure. Yeah, I wish uh, I, I wish I was calling some games right now. I was I was set to do the the Michigan Stars. It's a, a new pro league here in Michigan out of the NISA League. If you're familiar with Detroit City Football Club, which is pretty popular here in the area and maybe a little bit nationwide as well because of their cheering section, they're also in that same league. So it's the first time that those two teams cross over from the MPSL, uh, which is kind of the semi-pro rank. So it's it's a new startup pro league. So I was going to do that for the first time this year. They're still holding hope that there's a fall season. My fingers are crossed on that. Um, as long as there's high school football, I also call a, a Catholic League high school football game of the week, one of the better leagues in the country. Uh, so that's always fun. And I have a Catholic League background as well. And I, I was doing a podcast for the Archdiocese of Detroit and the, the Catholic High School League before things went crazy. And uh, yeah, kind of anything else I can pick up throughout the year, a lot of freelance stuff as well, some PA work. So I keep sure. pretty, pretty busy. <laughs> nice. Um so, so let's talk a little bit about. Obviously, we want to talk to you a little bit about uh, a little about a little about Detroit Mercy and kind of the season that they have because it seemed uh, it seems like the last couple of seasons it's been, for lack of a better word, the Antoine Davis show. Sure, yeah, I mean it, it, it's interesting because you know you went into both years and you're wondering exactly what was going to happen. You didn't know how good Antoine Davis was going to be right away. Um, and then you kind of come into this this year knowing, you know, from maybe the, the behind the scenes side that there was some injury bugs there. I mean, there was tendonitis in the elbow, which uh, didn't help the shooting and he didn't sh- wasn't able to shoot as much only in practice or in the offseason. Then he had some knee troubles as well, which, you know, you could physically tell he wasn't getting that same boost on his jumper. So that's why you saw him, you know, at certain points in the season, take a, a few less threes and, and go to the mid range, which he's very good at and even drive the, the hoop a little bit, too. Um I think the biggest thing for Antoine this offseason is to get a little bigger. Um, obviously, in a time like this, it's not easy to get up shots in terms of going to a gym. But hopefully, you know, he's been able to hit the weights a little bit. And I think that's something that his, his dad, Mike Davis, has talked about in his first couple of years. And even that's something he, he regrets a little bit in terms of his development before college and saying, hey, look, we focused on his skills. So his shooting, his ball handling everything that goes into the basketball court that's not your physical properties. And he said, he said on record a couple of times, hey, look, I wish we would have, um, you know, kind of bolstered him up a little bit more. But has it mattered? I mean, he's um, he's been top five in scoring. I think certainly uh, in terms of durability, that'll help him if he's a little bigger the next couple of years. Um, but, yeah, you're right. And I think that's the, the main thing that we want to see out of this Titan squad is get some pieces around him because you saw Greg Campy triple team him and double team him um, in the last four matchups. We've seen every team virtually double team him at least some point in the game. So the more you can get a ball handler that you can count on, you know, and, and another big guy down low to kind of go aside, Chris Brandon, I think this team is, uh, you know, going to raise some eyebrows maybe this year. 
And so one of the yeah, and I, I think that's kind of a thing we haven't really talked a lot about specifically, because uh, obviously we've been talking a lot about you know some of the other teams that have added new parts. Um, in the case of IUPUI, we don't know what's going on over there. Um, but Detroit Mercy is a little bit more of an interesting situation because we don't know a whole lot about who they got coming in in terms of kind of depth. And I think you, as you mentioned, depth was kind of an issue last year. Um, also that second scoring option, it seemed to me seemed to be quite an issue last year as well. Um, you know, you had to, you had, it seemed like you had times where you had a Marquise Moore or a Justin Miller step in, but by and large, it was, you know, it was relied upon with Antoine Davis and a lot of scoring volume and that didn't really net the very good results for you, uh, for Detroit Mercy. So um, I, 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 I'm wondering if you could shed, shed a little insight as to, you know, kind of the direction that we can expect Detroit Mercy to go next year. Sure. So I think um, you know, the biggest thing right now is, you know, with Antoine, you know, entering his junior and senior season the next couple of years is is get as many experienced guys in as possible because, you know, he, like anybody else, wants to win. He's not used to, you know, these sub-500 seasons. Certainly in the non-conference, when you look at his Indiana record, you're like, oh, that's not that impressive in terms of non-conference. But you look at conference in Texas Southern and UAB, like that is where he makes his money in terms of, you know, winning ball games and, and qualifying them for the NCAA tournament. That's why you're going to see Detroit Mercy play Kentucky next year. Yes, there's the Brad Calipari connection, and that's not a confirmed thing. So I'm not, no, I'm not saying, hey, the official athletic department word is that they're playing them. But obviously that's circled on Twitter and some reputable sure. sources. But that is why you see him play those teams. That's why you saw him play Gonzaga, the number one team in the nation last year. He wants them to be the best they can towards conference. And, you know, I, I award him that because there's certainly some head coaches out there that say, hey, I'm going to get a bonus if I get 20 wins. So I'm going to stack up a, as many fluff non-conference games as possible. That means I'm going to play three or four NAI schools. Mike Davis won't do that. I mean, he's he's concentrated on – he doesn't necessarily care if he wins in the non-conference. He wants to, to bolster the, the other side. So he's looking – you know, for those fifth-year transfers, he's gotten a pretty good one, from what I understand, in Markwell Frazier. He won't be a scorer. Uh, he can defend. He can, more importantly, handle the basketball, and that's something that they want to do. That's something all of the first year of Antoine Davis. They said, hey, look, we got to get a ball handler in here so we can get him in a shooting space where he doesn't have to, you know, take it up the floor and get uh, all those assists that he was, you know, made to do, I guess, in the last couple of years. So, Frazier's going to help with that. Hopefully they get uh, another big piece down low. It's kind of, you know, question marks still who they're going to get, but I know they have their hands in a lot of baskets right now in terms of sure. offers, but uh, it, it'll be interesting in the next couple of weeks. And obviously with this situation with everybody, it, it's not an easy world to recruit out there. You know, that's, that's kind of what I've tried to dig in on my podcast as well as what's it like to recruit? What's it like to be recruited? It, it's such a weird time. Sure. Sure. Um, Jeremy, I have a if you don't mind, I got a couple questions sure. about Detroit Mercy recruiting and all that. And obviously, I know you're not, you know, in the middle of it necessarily, but you might be able to shed a little information. Um, we've heard a little bit of rumors about, you know, the, there was the APR ban last year. Is to your knowledge, or are you able to speak on? Is is Detroit Mercy clear for next year? Are we good going forward? 
Yeah, I mean that's that's a one year uh, sanction, so we we should be all good coming into this year. So that that's uh, that was the thing, and that that was something that hurt, you know, Detroit Mercy because that's something that comes out, you know, right around peak time when you're looking to get your roster together, get them on campus, and there was a few transfers um, from out of the country even that they were looking to get um, at the mid break there, and you know that hanging over their heads that certainly didn't help. So that that's a that's a one year thing, and. Uh, hopefully on to bigger and better things this year in terms of that. And then my follow-up is, um, you know, last year there was a lot of conversation, at least on, on Twitter, you know, m- amongst us fans about, you know, the way Mike Davis was speaking. And he, he speaks candidly, which I appreciate. You know, I'm, I'm an Oakland person, so, you know, I'm used to Greg Campy. I appreciate the candid speak, but Mike Davis really kind of seemed to be throwing a lot of his team under the bus. Do you think that that hurts him in recruiting when other players hear the way he spoke about his team last year? You know, I, I don't necessarily think so. I think Mike Davis has a, a really good reputation around college basketball. Um, even if it means, you know, reaching out to a, another coach to say, hey, look, you know, would, would your fifth year be interested in coming over? I, I think, you know, he has the respect to the greats out there. I mean, Brad Calipari also, you know, has respect for him. Obviously, if he he, he steers his son over to Detroit after, you know, not really – having any familiarity with this neighborhood. I mean, he sits in practice sometimes. I mean, he just shows up sometimes, you know what I mean? <laughs> he'll flow in for a, a game day or the day before, and he'll, he'll just sit and watch, uh, you know, Mike run a practice. So I, I think the respect out there is enough. I think the frustration certainly rose to the top throughout the program in terms of what was happening last year. But I think that's just because everybody expected a little bit more in terms of the winning and, and how things were going down. But I think anytime you have anything like the APR hanging over your head, that, that's going to hurt. Not only from a, you know, a coaching perspective, but also from an athlete perspective. What ultimately do you have to play for in that scenario when you don't know if you're going to make the postseason or not? When realistically, everybody now in the Horizon League makes it again. You know, so it's certainly a frustrating time in terms of that. Sure. Um, obviously, you mentioned uh, you mentioned Brad Calipari a couple of times. Obviously, um, Brad Calipari and Dwayne Edwards Jr. the only non-scholarship players. Obviously, you know, uh, who get who did get some playing time last year. Uh, Brad Calipari significantly. Both of them showed a little couple of flashes of brilliance. What what do we expect from them next year? Um, obviously, Brad Calipari's got the, his his signature has been the been the, the shot beyond the arc, and and Dwayne Rose has come in. Uh, he's come in a few uh, in a few games and, uh, and and has made some contributions. What do you expect from those two next year? Um, especially given the fact that they're they're in a position probably not unlike some uh, not like some of the scholarship athletes, though they are still obviously contributing me- members of this roster. Yeah, I mean, starting with Rose first, the biggest thing for Dwayne is consistency. I mean, you saw him especially later in the season pop off some twenty point games and. He's at his best, and the coaching staff thinks he's at his best when he's driving the basketball. They don't want him necessarily shooting the mid-range of the three. They think he he's best at attacking, drawing fouls. And when you look at his you know his free throw rate and how he gets to the hoop, it it says yes, he should be a guy who's driving. And he's one of those guys that helped Detroit Mercy being one you know top in the nation in terms of free throw percentage. So that's a guy who, if you get a couple more shooters, you're going to allow to free up and drive the basket. And whether he's a starter or somebody who's more of a sixth or seventh man coming off the bench, I think he can be a viable piece. He just needs to piece it together and night in, night out, show that same amount of energy and effort. Like Mike Davis likes to say, he's big on on those two words uh, in in practice and in the game that that shows Mike that he should be out there consistently. And I think towards the end of the season, you certainly saw that. As far as Brad goes, I mean, he's a guy who's almost a pure catch-and-shoot guy. I mean, he's not a guy that you want – 
necessarily coming off the dribble. He's not a guy who's going to handle the ball up the floor. But he was used almost as a decoy last year, and that's a shame because he is such a good shooter. And you look at his percentage go down as the season went on because literally there's always a man or a hand or two in his face. I mean, you you think about it, Antoine Davis, Brad Calipari, the two guys who were a threat from deep range. There wasn't really anybody else. I mean, there's some guys like Dwayne Rose that were uh, consistent driving, and once in a while Justin Miller would have a, a good game from three as well. But the more you put a couple more shooters on the floor and maybe bring Brad in in key situations to shoot, the more he'll be successful and the more you can, you know, kind of shelter those double teams away from him. I think uh, the better he'll be as well. Sure. So I wanted to talk a little bit, obviously, you know, we talked a lot about uh, Detroit Mercy, obviously, but um, I wanted to talk a lot about, uh, about uh, your current podcast. As, as we've mentioned, a lot of our, a lot of your cohorts in the, in the horizon league have been looking, finding ways to keep busy during the off season, especially considering most of them are doing, uh, are, are supposed to be doing play by play for other sports, which of course don't exist at the moment. Um, best example being mail time with Neil rule, but you've done, you've gone in a little different, you've gone in a considerably different direction, um, with this podcast, the absence of sports, I guess my first question would be, uh, what was the, what was the thought process behind putting this together in the first place? Yeah. You know, it it was kind of a split second idea. I mean, if that makes any sense, I mean, I, I had thought about starting my own podcast for a while. I was doing one for the Archdiocese of Detroit and the Catholic High School League, like I mentioned, um, before everything got crazy and shut down. But this is a little bit different because it it dives into everything. You know, I can bring on a high school coach. I can then bring on a pro athlete or I can bring on, uh, you know, somebody like you guys to to discuss what's going on as well. So I think that's the unique aspect. Sure. I I wanted it to be interview-based because I don't think anybody wants to hear me talk for 30 straight minutes without bringing on somebody else who has a, a direct opinion on, on something that's going on. So that's, that's kind of why I went that direction. And, you know, some, some people in my family were kind of saying, Hey, look, this might be an interesting thing. You know, it'll keep you busy. Maybe you can get some sponsorships out of it or something. And, and more importantly, sharpen your skills, make some contacts. And it's become a lot more than that. So I think that the bare bones of it was I was looking for something to keep me busy. You know what I mean? In, in a time where I knew at least for the next foreseeable months that I wasn't going to do much in terms of play by play or on air work. So I wanted to continue to, to stay out there in the know and, and certainly, you know, sharpen my skills in interviewing as well. So that that's been the fun aspect of it. Sure. Sure. And uh, I, I, as somebody who has done a podcast before, obviously, um, you, you, you kind of know the setup. You kind of you, know, you obviously kind of know, know, know what goes into kind of putting it together. So obviously, while it might have been a snap decision for you, uh, you, you knew what you, you needed to do. So it, it looked like it came together. It did look like it came together in pretty from from an outside perspective in pretty short order. Yeah, I mean, it literally, um, you know, there, there was that day and I, I quoted myself in the Detroit News as saying, like, I literally lost all my work in a matter of six hours. This gig, this gig, this gig, you know, because you, you, you see the snowball effect of, oh, the NBA is pausing. Oh, NCAA tournaments canceled. You know, this high school league isn't playing anymore. Yada, yada, yada. It just it literally went one after another after another. And maybe a day or two later, I'm like, well, you know, what? what's my approach here? Am I going to literally just take a break? which I'm not, you know, keen on. I'm, I'm a guy who likes to go, go, go. And, you know, when you have such a busy schedule, you just get in that routine and you, you don't necessarily, you know, 
a week sounds like a long time to me in terms of pausing and not doing anything. But I was like, well, it, you know, I'm, I'm going to do this. So um, I, I think that night I texted Dan Dickerson and said, hey, would you mind coming on? He said, sure. I talked to a voiceover guy. He recorded a voiceover for me that night. I created an intro. And then the next day, I think I recorded the in, the interview and slapped it out there. So as I've said to other people, it's like I, I went in not knowing how many I was going to do based off of, you know, how number one, how long is this going to last? Is it actually going to last as, as long as people thought at that time? I think, no, there's no way this thing, you know, drags on for two, three months. Now, who knows how long we're not going to have sports for. But uh, and, and then it, the other part of it was like, you know, how many guests relevant can I get on? I don't want to be just interviewing Joe Schmo because is anyone going to want to listen to that? So sure. that that and the fact that a, a lot of people and the response rate has been in very high has made it uh, an easy thing, I guess, to keep going. Yeah. Bob, Bob, we need a voiceover guy. That's what I just got. Gathered. You know what? Yeah. <laughs> it adds it would, a nice it would element. Take our podcast up now. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Um, yeah, Jeremy. Yeah, if you want to do our intro and outro, Jeremy, you know, those, the spot is open. <laughs> sure. Absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, well, but you bring up. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because obviously, uh, from our standpoint. This is kind of how we we've mentioned it multiple times since since the shutdown started. Is that um, in our off season, unlike yours, obviously your off season consists of so many other things. Our off season, it's not it, it's the only difference between this year and any other year is our off season just started a lot sooner. But um, I, I I can definitely appreciate the fact that you know when coming up with trying to come up with some content, uh, come up with some content, we're we're. They, me, Matt and I are always always having conversations about who we want to get on the show, who we got want to get on the podcast, and um, that's yeah, and and we can appreciate uh, you know having that brainstorming that only you do it by yourself, obviously, and that's but you you've brought up you've come up with quite a few you know pretty you've definitely come up with some quality to quality guests, um, and I noticed that a lot of yours obviously are you know are obviously focused primarily on the you know folks in the Detroit area. I did though I did notice it uh, did see that you you've talked to a couple of people out in in the Toledo area. But I actually wanted to ask you about the 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 conversation you had with Gus Johnson. Yeah. Um uh, Gus Johnson who um I fully obviously uh if you don't know who Gus Johnson is my God, people, where have you been? If you listen to sports, you got to listen to Gus Johnson uh, do play-by-play at any point in time. I miss him on I miss him on the NCAA tournament broadcasts, but now that he's over at Fox Sports. But um, how did that come together exactly? Uh, you know, how, if for somebody who hasn't listened to the podcast, how did that how did that conversation initially come together? And um, I know he I know I know he does have some local ties, but how how did how was your how did your conversation initial conversations with him go to get him on the podcast initially? Yeah, so sure, he went to the same high school as I did, so we both went to to UD Jesuit High School and Academy. Um, if you don't know about UD, it's a, a very alumni oriented place. There's a lot of pride behind it. I mean, you'll often see alumni go back to games on a regular basis, like it's a college team. I mean, Cassius Winston graduated from there, so just to give you perspective on a little bit of that, and you, you listen to Gus play, Gus's play-by-play once in a while, he'll mention, hey, you know, a proud UDJ alum, he'll, he'll plug the school sometimes. So in terms of asking that, I mean, Jordan Morgan is also a fellow UD Jesuit grad, and I, I had on Pat Donnelly and Colin Donnelly, two 
uh, people involved with the school already there as well. But um, so the, the school actually helped me out. A, a couple people um, in the development department over at UAD helped me connect with Gus. I had met him when I was like a sophomore in high school because he got inducted to the Catholic High School League Hall of Fame. But other than that, nothing in, in terms of, and I haven't been talking to him consistently or anything. So Gus was nice enough to say yes. And, uh, you know, we kind of laid it down a, about a week later. So that's kind of how that got put together. U of D Jesuit has a really good broadcasting program too, don't they? Yeah, it's uh, it's funny because I was a freshman at U of D Jesuit and sitting in our, our homeroom kind of in the middle of the day and they put an announcement over the PA that said, you know, hey, look, any John Madden or Al Michaels in person here, come to this room if you're interested in, in sports broadcasting. I'm like, uh, maybe. Uh, it's something I kind of had an interest in the last couple years leading up to that and um, at first, as a young freshman, I only wanted to do color analyst for some reason. And, and one time, two seniors didn't show up to a game, and all of a sudden, I was doing play-by-play. And it kind of grew from there. Uh, I was kind of president of the club, quote-unquote, by the end of my freshman year and uh, took it as something I, I wanted to do as a career all of a sudden. So that's that's led to that, and it's been cool to track other guys that have come after me as well. Jack Snavice, who um, came in when I was a junior as a freshman, has done some stuff at Big Ten Student U. He's now at the Flint Firebirds. Had done some good work. A couple of seniors who just graduated a year ago were freshmen this past year and did a lot of stuff with BTN Student U, which is impressive because normally, uh, you know, freshmen, that, that's not something they're able to work on. And then, you know, you, you have the connection with Matt Derry and Chelsea Estes, two people who have uh, done some stuff in the Horizon League with Oakland. Matt Derry was their former color commentator for a while with Neil Rowley, since moved on to Eastern Michigan. Uh, basketball and Chelsea does some of their sideline reporting right now. So there, there's a lot of ties to broadcasting there. And it's really cool to see that program continue to develop and evolve as the years have gone by since I've left. I mean, it's definitely cool to see a high school program turning out people that are interested in that world. So good, good on them. And obviously it's worked out really well for you. Um, I want to jump back to your podcast a little bit, if that's okay. Um, about a week or two ago, you had on a really interesting guest to Horizon League fans. You had Trey Maddox on. How did that play out how did we get to that point yeah I mean I always wanted from the start to talk to players I didn't know how likely I was to land them I've been uh fairly successful which I'm happy about because I think that's mostly who people want to hear from sure coaches sure broadcasters but players are right in the thick of this thing in terms of trying to rev back up if we do have a season for you know any sport you talk about so he was a guy that I had said you know look wow he's transferring from you know, Oakland to possibly, you know, bigger, uh, you know, higher major type program. So I thought let's, you know, dial them up and see what it's like to, you know, transfer in a time like this. I don't think it necessarily compares uh, to somebody being drafted right now in the NFL because, you know, he doesn't necessarily need to go and work out for a team per se, but still, you know, as somebody who's transferring schools, you want to see the campus. So that's become all virtual for the most part. And who knows how long that's, that's going to have to be like that. But, I think he really had an interesting angle and, um, you know, as a fellow Horizon League athlete, I think that was not that I was an athlete, but somebody that I cover, I think that was, uh, you know, kind of why I gravitated towards him. Um, after having spoken to him and obviously, I mean, we all listened to it and, you know, he talked about some of those schools and then he committed to Cal State Fullerton. Just were you surprised by that after your conversation with him? You know, he, he didn't narrow it down uh pinpoint as to who offered him he said he had seven offers at that point um he gave me three oregon state temple and one other one other one that i can't quite remember right now but uh no not necessarily a surprise that he committed over there maybe a little bit of a surprise that he went so far 
Um, I thought he'd maybe commit a little bit more locally, but, uh, you know, I thought I had an inkling that he'd go, um, you know, past the mid-major level and, and up towards them a little bit more. It's a, I just, I, I think of, you know, that is almost a lateral move. So, it's, you know, it's just interesting to hear that perspective on that. Um, I was also surprised that he went that far, but um, I spoke to some people and basically he wants to branch out and try to try to grow up a little bit. And it's time for him, you know, spread his wings for lack of a better phrase or anything you know that's cool good good for you Trey Maddox but yeah it was just interesting that that you got him on and to hear him talk and then see the the end result uh, I won't lie we all we were um definitely inspired by your conversation we had Grant Weatherford on um just about a week or two ago right the day after he declared um to the portal so we got to hear a little bit about the inner workings of IUPUI as well and I, I agree it's nice to get these players on and kind of get their perspective on it we, we don't get that a whole lot in this world so yeah, where's uh, he heading to? Did did he give you any tips as to who's offered him or not yet? He was not. That was the day. I, I think it was literally the day after he had uh, declared. So he he probably didn't have anything that we didn't get any in, information about where he might be off to. But it was interesting to hear just kind of his take on IUPUI, um, kind of what's going on and the inner workings there, especially as we're surprised that uh, Byron Rim is still there and that there's really no movement. Um, he was the one that told us that um, they weren't able to do anything because Indi- the University of Indiana went on a hiring freeze with the shutdown, hmm. uh, which has affected the coaching searches or potential coaching search as well. Um, but it was just, you know, it, like you said, it's kind of cool to get players on and get their perspective sometimes because we don't get that often and it's hard to get them. So, you know, to get to get them to come and speak openly about, you know, things that we wouldn't normally get to hear about was definitely pretty cool. Um. Trying to think what else we got. Well, anything else that you want to plug, Jeremy? Obviously, why don't, why don't you go ahead and plug your podcast for us? Because we, we, people need to be listening. This is really good stuff. Yeah, you know, I had a really interesting conversation with former XFL long snapper Tanner Carew for a number of reasons. I mean, number one, the fact that he was a long snapper intrigued me because that's such a position that's undervalued, but until you mess up, you know what I mean? I mean, that, that's, that's an important position in the NFL and in football in general. He was a guy who was highly touted out of Oregon, was the number one high school long snapper going into college, and a lot thought that he may go to an NFL team. I mean, he was at the Combine, snapped over 200 balls, uh, didn't get picked up right away, did sign a couple undrafted free agent-type contracts, um, with the Bears and the Seahawks, didn't latch on, but went to the AAF, then went to the XFL, uh, seemed to be enjoying things there. And I think the biggest thing when it comes to that, because that was a storyline that really intrigued me, and I might dig into that a little bit further later in the podcast with some other guests, but every player in that league was shocked that the XFL shut down like that because the message a couple weeks prior had been, look, we are shutting down because of the coronavirus. We had a good run at it, better this time. It was less hokey, you know, than the XFL tried to be the, the first time around. So I think that uh, combined with a lot of things was very surprising for him and a number of XFL players. And that made an interesting conversation. And obviously talking about his position, what makes a long snapper good. And um, we also hit on, hey, you know, do you think another league like this can be successful? He kind of thought it would. And another interesting aspect was I asked him a question about, and I don't want to give everything away. It seems like <laughs> it seems like I'm pouring out on all the content here. But you want to listen to what he said. But uh, another interesting thing that he gave an interesting answer answer for was, uh, you know, how all these pro leagues are talking of quarantining their players in a hotel in terms of, you know, they're going to be there for two or three months, maybe or maybe not without their families. And he had an interesting answer to that one. So tune in uh, to find that out. But we've we've had a really 
good lineup lately, and I think uh, a lot of good takes. Jeremy, where can people find your podcast? Yeah, so it's on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts. You can follow it on Twitter at Absence of Sports. Uh, we have a Facebook as well. You can search in the Absence of Sports, and then my Twitter at Jeremy Otto PXP. We'll make sure that we get that up when we uh, put this out with our stuff as well. Um, Bob, um, Bob yeah, is there. I, Hi, Bob. Yes. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah, I had some technical difficulties. And, of course, you know, Bob never has any technical difficulties if you've listened to this podcast <laughs> at any point in time. <laughs> um, I actually want to uh, – I actually – I did notice one of the questions that I did have um, – because you actually – like I said, you, you pretty much run the gamut in terms of – uh, your your interviews. Um, I know you touched a lot about you talked a lot about the uh, uh, your discussion with, with with Trey Maddox, but I also wanted to talk a little bit about. Uh, I actually did, the one question I did have was related to the interview you did with with Monica Abbott uh, from USA Softball, mm-hmm. um, and it, for yeah, it, it seemed like she had a very interesting story, um, kind of a unique perspective on a lot of different things. Specifically, I, I don't want to say disasters, but yeah, disasters. Yeah, she she joked that uh, you know the disasters are, are following her around, um, which uh, I think it gives certainly an interesting perspective on how you handle a situation like this. And she said, "Hey, look, this is a little different." Um, we were kind of able to play through a little bit of that after, you know, a day or two, but now it's like, there's nothing. Um, and she's in a really interesting position right now because she's the leader of team USA. She's one of the older players. Um, she doesn't really expect to play in the next Olympics after that. So she provides a nice perspective on what it's like now being a leader, because the first time you got to remember softball was canceled for a while in the Olympics. And this was its quote unquote trial period to come back. There will be no Olympic softball in the next cycle. The cycle after that, they're going to bring it back, but this is kind of her last shot. And she was the rookie the first time around. So it's totally different. I mean, she has all this professional experience. She's the first um, U S woman to earn a million dollar contract, which I think is awesome. Um, and I, I didn't know that before, you know, I, I started digging into some research on her, but uh, I thought that was a real cool aspect as well. But, you know, she was, she had some interesting things to say, and I'm, I'm excited to watch, you know, Team USA next year as well in terms of hopefully having the Olympics. <laughs> Fingers crossed here. Oh, I think, yeah, I think we'll, we'll have some, I, I am, I'm a little more optimistic than most that uh, I, I think we'll have some sports in some shape or form at some point, I assume. <laughs> I would think so. You know, my my gut leans me towards we're going to have sports in the fall with no fans. Will we have anything this summer? Uh, I think Major League Baseball is going to make a big push. The NBA and the NHL are certainly going to, you know, make their big push to try to make it happen. It's not going to be normal, um, regardless of whether the situation out there is normal. I think they're going to do extra to protect Mm -hmm. the players and the fans. Um, and you know, whether we have fans, even in basketball season, you talk about some of the people around there wondering whether that's going to be the case. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I, I'm optimistic to, as you are, that we'll have something on the floor, um, who can see it and where they can see it. That's going to be sure. the bigger question, I think. Sure. Um, now I know we had the NFL draft coming up. 
uh, we, we had the NFL draft recently, well, coming up recently, we just had the NFL draft. Um, and I know you, you had mentioned um, on, on the podcast account that uh, you were uh, interested in having that discussion in the near future with, uh, with somebody about the NFL draft. Is, uh, uh, is that something we get to look forward to? I'm hoping. I can't promise it right now. I, I did reach out to a few people I know, local high schools that have one of their athletes picked. Um, this particular high school has two. Um, so I'm hoping one of the two uh, comes through. Obviously, when you deal with professional football players now, I mean, you're going to have to deal a little bit with PR. Um, so I'm not sure whether I'm going to have to navigate that or because they're brand new and fresh and we're in a little bit different time, whether that'll be the, the case. But uh I have a good lead, and if this one doesn't work out, I'm going to try again. So hopefully in the next couple of weeks you'll see that. I think that would be really fun. Okay. Um, and I wanted to circle back to one other thing. You, you actually did I, – I, I did hear that you mentioned Matt Derry um, in one of your uh, – when you were talking about your uh, your roots at UAD Jesuit. Um, I know from, from a local – because I'm originally from Cleveland. I, I know Matt and his brother TD actually have their own Indi- Cleveland Indians podcast on uh, the Waiting for Next Year's uh, platform uh, locally in, in the Cleveland area. Do you give me any tips with, uh, regarding the, uh, uh, you know, the, the podcast at all? Or you not know, just this one, obviously, but the one you, you, you've you done for the uh, Catholic schools. Sure. You know, I, I've gotten a lot of tips from, you know, other guys in the Detroit area. Sean Belasian has been a guy who's been really nice in, in terms of, you know, what he's offered to my career, Dan Dickerson has been a, a big guy there. I mean, I've had a lot of, you know, contact with people locally and they, they've all said really nice things. And I, sometimes I, I want them to say negative things as stupid as that sounds like, so I can improve, you know what I mean? Sure. Um, but you know, there, there's been a, a ton of guys in the area who have tell, helped Tom Lango and Ken Kolb on the, the backside as well in terms of student broadcast foundation and what they did early on for my career. But yeah, I've had, uh, you know, nothing specific necessarily to, to tips on this podcast, but I, I've certainly had a lot of people who have uh, helped me along the way. Sure, sure, sure. Um, those were the, uh, yeah, I think those are basically all the, the things I wanted to jump in and ask about. Um, now, it, and you mentioned already that uh, that the Absence of Sports is on SoundCloud. You're also on Twitter at Absence at, at at the absence of sports, uh, yeah, absence of sports, not the absence. Don't add the the in there. That's just a silly <laughs> thing for me to do. Uh, so, um, but yeah, so and of course, you, we can uh, we can find you personally on Twitter at Jeremy Otto PXP. Yep. Uh, anything uh, in terms of podcast up to date, that's the best places to find it. Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud. Uh, I thought about expanding it a little bit to some other avenues, but uh, that's TBA, I guess. And seeing how long, you know, all this is going to go on. Hopefully, uh, you know, maybe we can even continue the discussion after sports come back and as they start to come back as well. That is true. Yeah. yeah. Um, although I suspect once sports get back up, you're going to get considerably busier. <laughs> Hopefully, yeah. I mean, I think by the time they do come back around fall is one of my busier times, and certainly that bleeds into winter and prep for Detroit Mercy. So right around that time is when it starts to get crazy for me. So hopefully we're we're dealing with that in a good way. Sure, sure, definitely. Well, well, Jeremy, thank you once again for for joining us. I know the you know my technical difficulties made it a little herky jerky, but you know uh, we came on through. That's okay. I know what those are like. I've had a, a few of those bumps down the road, not only now, but uh, certainly, you know, all throughout uh, the career here so far. So that happens. <laughs> all right. Uh, that's going to wrap it up for us this week. Um, 
like I said, as always, you can find episodes of the Horizon Roundtable on our website, horizonroundtable.com. You can definitely find us wherever you find podcasts. Um, we, we might have to have an online just offline discussion about where you can put our put your podcast because we're like we're everywhere now. So <laughs> sure, um, but it's yeah, some are easier than others. I will we'll, we'll just kind of disclaimer that. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so you can find us wherever you find podcasts. Please subscribe, of course. Um, and of course, my, my favorite thing is you can find us on your uh, Google or Amazon devices. And I keep saying, I, I, not Apple, because there's no such thing. But um, that's going to do it for us, everybody. And uh, thank you for listening. And uh, don't forget, next week, we're starting uh, our two episodes, uh, two episodes of the 2020 Jimmy Lemmy Fan Battle Royale. You definitely don't want to miss that. So stay tuned.